Hey, Dungeon and Download fans, this week we got a bonus drop on our feed. It's Speed Street. It's Dirty Mo Media's newest podcast featuring IndyCar driver Connor Daly and comedian Joey Molinero. If you haven't listened to it yet, it's a lot of fun. You're going to have a great time, and it's awesome to start right now. This week's episode, Connor and Joey discuss the past weekend's race at Gateway, which left the top four separated by just 17 points with two races remaining. Plus, they're joined by up-and-coming IndyCar driver Callum Eilat. This episode is a good one, and I hope you enjoy it. And make sure you subscribe and follow Speed Street wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss another episode. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Back on another episode of Speed Street, we are winding down the 2022 IndyCar season. Two races left. I'm on Baby Watch. Connor has two races left. Producer Ben is starting back school. Thanks again for being with us on Speed Street. Um, we got a full show today. We got a big one. We got a recap gateway, of course, and all the craziness that happened over the weekend. Uh, we have young, uh, uh, very good-looking, very charming, very talented uh, driver from the UK, uh, Callum Eilat, is going to be joining us for a con- conversation. So really appreciate his time there. It's a great show. And, of course, you have me, Joey Molinero, and... Driver of the number 20 in uh, bit Nile ride in the NTT IndyCar series, Connor Daly. What's up, bro? How are we feeling? What's going on in your world? Ooh, well, you know, Gateway was uh, really not awesome for us. So <laughs> that was uh, a real struggle. But you know what? It um, It is what it is. This sport uh, can really get at you. Uh, and that's what it's doing currently. So, uh, you know, overall though, for us as a team, I mean, it was just, oh, just, just tough. So we, as a group definitely want to rebound in Portland. Uh, we got two races left. Um, you know, not really sure how, you know, how those are, how those are going to go, but, um, you know, everyone is definitely feeling, uh, feeling rough after gateway, but uh, I, I still love that racetrack. It's still one of my favorite racetracks. You know, we qualified. So obviously all, all three of our cars, we definitely, struggled for pace in general um you know renus and ed uh more so than than me and i think that's really just because i i i think i like the track and it's just kind of one of those tracks that kind of suits my driving style whatever it is um but uh but yeah happy with qualifying happy with the way the race was going but boy did it uh fall off a cliff directly Yeah. Uh, any insight into that you can, you know, release from the team meetings or anything for us here as to kind of why that happened for, for all three ECR cars. Yeah. You know, what was really interesting is, it's just, we, we, you know, as I've kind of mentioned on this podcast before, we kind of struggle, you know, we're struggling mechanically for, for some grip and, and, you know, the balance of the car, you know, isn't necessarily, you know, tough, you know, something that Ed would say to us is like, it's not like it's really loose or it's a, you know, it's a demon vehicle, you know, it's just, we're just kind of lacking a little bit of grip and, and the ability to kind of push the car where, you know, where, where some of the other guys are. So, um, you know, I, I thought, our, you know, our, our, our car was, was definitely capable of, of finishing in the top 10. Um, you know, we had a great start, had a great, you know, first couple stints, got a little wide trying to pass Simon Pagano. What a surprise. Got in the marbles <laughs> a little bit and um, kind of lost some time, but, even still, even after getting into the marbles and, and, and coming back, you know, we were in a position and on the right strategy to kind of, you know, we, we pitted with Joseph and McLaughlin and uh, you know, they, they obviously finished 
quite well. Um, and, you know, we were on the right, you know, on the right, um, on the right path. Uh, but yeah, we, we, I don't know what happened to Renus. Uh, looks like electrical issue for him. And then, and then it was an electrical issue for me, but what we found is it's no fault of the team at all. Um, they found yesterday in, 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 obviously when the car gets back to do a lot of research, right. Uh, or what happened, what happened here. And, uh, like a piece of the track had, had got into the side pod where, um, where basically the, the, the venting cools the GCU, uh, which is a very important electrical piece of the car. Uh, and so there was uh, basically a giant piece of concrete or the track that had then acquired more and more rubber. There's a lot of rubber buildup uh, at, at Gateway, a lot of tire, um, just tire rubber com- comes off the tire and it's just small. But when you look at the track after, you know, 50, 60 laps, you'll see how many small pieces of rubber in there. And all that rubber then basically started to coagulate and overheat pieces in our car, um, which meant that when the GCU overheats, uh, I was not able to shift. And so, you know, shifting was then impossible, but, but it's hard to diagnose at first. So, you know, we, as soon as that happened, you know, our race is pretty much over, but we, we still try to stay in it. You know, we changed the steering wheel. Um, but then we, we also had a, a rear suspension issue. Um, we had something, uh, you know, something, something fail on the, on the right rear suspension, which actually the odd part about that is, is if, if we didn't have the electrical failure or the electrical issue with, because of the rubber, I probably would have had a big crash because the, we caught the rear suspension early enough to where when we pitted to change the steering wheel, we were also able to identify the suspension and kind of fix what was going on there. So, um, there, there were some positives to even, you know, even though it being, you know, a very, very not great night for us. Um, you know, we were fast, we were doing the right things. We were on the right strategy to finish, you know, finishing the top 10 to be competitive. We passed cars, um, had, you know, had some great moments. Um, but, uh, but it just wasn't our night. And, and sadly, sometimes, you know, those things happen in, in motorsports. So we, we found all the issues. Um, you know, again, it was, it was something that after the red flag, uh, you know, we, we wanted to just get out there and, and, and make up time, uh, and just basically no one crashed. So we, we couldn't make up any positions after that. So there was still 40 laps left when we went green and we were thinking, all right, you know, maybe if a couple of people take each other out here, we get a couple of positions. Sure enough, everyone raced pretty respectfully and, uh, and we were just kind of stuck where we were. So, um, we figured it all out though. We kind of know what was, you know, what was happening. And, um, it was, it was tough for us as a, as a team. It was, it was sad to see, you know, when all three cars are, are stuck there in the 20 position finishings, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's tough, but we know, you know, we know what happened and we know hopefully what we can do next year to, you know, to be better. Yeah, man. I mean, not, not only that, but then you look at the weather situation. I mean, I wanted to ask you about the craziness of, you know, while you're trying to, to race and strategize there, you're, you're looking at the rain, you're looking at the weather radar. You got to keep up to date there. You know, Scotty Mack is leading, you got red flag. Are we going to get this thing in or not? Then all of a sudden you said you go green after an hour and a half or two hours. I mean, it, yeah. was, it, it, it was quite a while and they, they put you guys back out there. I mean, what's going on? Uh, for the teams, what's going on for you guys, the drivers, in a, in a weather delay like that? I mean, we had it in Nashville, right, two weeks ago, but that was before. Yeah. And then you got the whole thing in. And then now we have this little delay right in between and go back out and finish it off. So in that break, what's going on? How did that affect the last 40 laps once it w- went green for you guys? 
Yeah, very strange to kind of get into a weather delay like that, um, especially because, you know, but when the rain was coming, you know, that's when our car, like we actually pitted in uh, basically to, to time the rain. Like we were like, all right, we're going to pit now with a couple of these guys to hopefully time it correctly for the rain to where we kind of cycle forward if it does rain and the rain gets can't and, and the race gets stopped. Um but yeah, like as my car was starting to have its issues, the rain hadn't quite started yet. So we we stayed on track, probably a bit, a few, uh, you know, a few more laps than than we really, I guess, should have or could have. But but we were kind of anticipating the rain, and uh, and sure enough, you know, we 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 had to pit and start fixing things, um, you know, before the rain came, and then uh, and then it and then it then it started pouring down. So it's definitely odd as a driver to have to get out. Uh, especially with, you know, with only one stint left, you know, you only have 44 laps right. left or however many laps there were left. Um, and you know, the track changes as well when that, when, when it rains as much as it did and, and it goes through a drying process, um, you know, the track changes, you know, the car was definitely a different balance, certainly for me, um, pre-rain and post-rain. And it was the same for, for Joseph and Scott McLaughlin as well. Scott McLaughlin, uh, you know, he, there was a couple different comments about how he thought his car was much more loose um, after, after the rain. Uh, and, and it was the same for me as well. You know, mine, mine was definitely a bit more free on entry, um, than, uh, than it, than it had been before the rain when, when the rubber had gone down on the track. So, uh, so yeah, the rain changes a lot of things. It might help some people, it might hurt some people. Um, but it clearly didn't hurt Joseph at all. And, uh, and it definitely didn't hurt David Malukas cause he was out there flying around that track, like, uh, something fierce. So it was, it was a really interesting race overall. And I mean, from a from a perspective of watching it, Joey, did you did you think it was a good race? Was it what was the product like? Because obviously I haven't watched it yet, and I want to I want to know what you know what you thought it looked like on the on the television. Yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning, right, you had Felix just absolutely putting on the burners and, and passing like thirteen people, right, in like the first two. Which three is interesting, lines. though. I think that's a jump start. Like I, I'm not gonna lie. Okay. Great timing from Felix, but right. I, I'm very curious to ask at the next drivers meeting. Hey, if you pass four rows of cars before you get to the start finish line, <laughs> is that a jump start or not? Right. No. I mean, so that was certainly all the talk, and you have like, oh wow, this guy is really like you said, he's jumping up pretty quick, right? Um, but then after a while, when you guys settled into a groove, it was just. You guys are just kind of spinning laps from a viewer. I mean, in my perspective, right? I mean, it was just kind of like, all right, you know, this is good. Jack goes into the wall. You yellow it. Uh, you know, you, you you bunch back up a little bit. Pato made some nice moves up there, uh, some nice passes. Um, but really, I mean, I, it, it was not one of the more entertaining races, in my opinion. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was watching it, and I was, I was, I was in there, and. I was over at the in-laws and, and having some wine and, you know, doing the thing. And, uh, but it, it, it was, no, nah, it definitely wasn't one where I was kind of on the edge of my seat as we've had here over the summer. Yeah. I think opinion. what's interesting about that is like kind of what we're, you know, we, we talk about it a little bit in our interview with Callum. Um, but it's, we need more downforce, I think for, for that, for that race in particular. Um, and I think, we need more downforce for the Indy 500. I think we need uh -huh. more downforce for Texas. I think we need more downforce for Iowa. Uh, Iowa is a pretty good race. And I think some people wouldn't argue that we need more. Um, but 
it, it, in this current generation of car, I think with the way it handles and the way, you know, the way we try to get the balance on it. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's definitely an opportunity for us as a series to maybe, maybe look at that and be like, all right, well, let's maybe make some changes. And to be fair, IndyCar is listening to us for sure. We, we have had, you know, the ability to run more downforce at Iowa. We have had the ability recently to run more downforce at Texas. Um, and so I think we are going the right way on that. So hopefully, I mean, Gateway is one of those races that you're never going to have side-by-side racing through, you know, full laps. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to have two cars running side-by-side, you know, multiple laps in a row. We're not, we're not looking to do that, I would say. Just maybe more opportunities for cars to challenge other cars. Um, and, and that's what I think, you know, that's what the fans want. I mean, ratings wise, I think that's what everyone wants, but I mean, to be fair, did not terrible ratings for us, I I guess. I, I mean, there was, uh, we got to the magic half a million dollars, not half a million dollars, half a million people. Uh, I wish we made half a million dollars, uh, at gateway. Um, Hey, you're up over 200, 250,000 from the last USA race. Yeah, we obviously all thought the world was crumbling down into absolutely nothing after the last USA network race, but this one was watched by a lot more. And, you know, maybe that, maybe because the Xfinity race was right before us, um, that always Saturday night, Saturday night. Yeah. So there there was a lot of positives there. Obviously we didn't, you know, we didn't get, we're not going to get to the million dollar number, the million, million people number, uh, on USA yet. Um, but it is possible. We see NASCAR doing it. Um, and it is possible to get motorsport fans to turn into USA Network. So um, I, I think that was a positive. But yeah, when it comes to the racing, you know, I, I think there was some good moments. I think there were a lot less, a lot less accidents than I expected as well. Yeah, it was a pretty, sure. pretty clean race overall. Yeah, I I want to ask you about two about two guys. Both of them were on the podium. Um, David Malukas has been the darling all week so far, all weekend. You know, he, he, he finished a hell of a race. His post-race interview was great. Oh my God, there's two Penske's, <laughs> right? He's this 20 year old kid out there. Uh, just literally balls to the wall, uh, on the final lap, you know, passing Scotty going up towards Joseph. I mean, what, what, what do you think about, uh, David Malukas? Um, what do you think the future looks like for him? It's a great question. I, I mean, I think. I think without a doubt, they've had quite a strong um, second half of the year. I mean, the, the coin team in general as well, you got you to look that, you know, Takuma Sato is there as well, right? And, and Takuma's been, been fast at several places. He's got a lot of experience. He brings a lot of experience from, you know, big teams there, Ray Hall and Andretti. Um, and uh, I think when the driver has the tools to do the work, it all works together very well. So clearly those guys, and, and I know a lot of those guys at that team, you know, that was where I spent my rookie year, right? Like now, now both David Malukas and I have second place finishes with coin in our rookie year. You know, it's, it's, it's a great, you know, it's a great place to be a rookie. And I'm sure Dale, the, the, the only issue is, is that now I'm sure David Malukas is probably going to, you know, be sought after for the 10 car or, or any, you know, any big team is going to be, trying to give him a call. Um, but what's interesting is, is like, if not, well, guess what? You have a great spot there at coin. Like they, they've, they've been so strong this year. Why wouldn't they be even better next year? You know what I mean? When they, when they come back with more and more experience. So it's, it's something think, that 
so do you think in can this happen in racing where like could he make a jump too soon right like could 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 it be too early for the 10 ride for a spot at Penske or, or is it when you get that opportunity in his shoes, you just, you, you go for it. I, I don't think it's too soon. Yeah. I think when you have a year of IndyCar under your belt, um, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely fine. Um, I, I think we've seen, you know, the, the, uh, the kind of the, the, the mold, I think in general was Joseph Newgarden's, you know, journey, right? You had a three-year deal right out the gate with a, you know, smaller team. You know, it was, it was, uh, you know, Sarah Fisher's team, that Ed Carpenter's team. Um, but after that, it was like, all right, straight to Penske, straight to winning races and championships. You know what I mean? So like there's, there's, there's that. And then there's, you know, spending a rookie year with a great team like coin, uh, really smart young people there. Uh, a lot of experienced people as well, Dale being one of them. Um, but I think, you know, David has also not crashed a lot. You know what I mean? He's not written the car off a bunch. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's making, he's making good decisions. Um, and those are all things that big teams pay attention to. So very, very curious to see, um, you know, how, uh, really the, how the next three, two, three months play out. Right. Or maybe it'll be even sooner than that because the season, you know, season ends in a few weeks. So I, I think he, you know, if he gets that opportunity, I, th I think he he'll be ready for it. But you know, what's really interesting is, you know, when Grosjean left coin, I think a lot of the times he was like, I don't know why I left. You know what I mean? Like he, he had, a, he, he, he almost, I think had a much more competitive full season at coin than he has at Andretti. So it's a really interesting kind of career move that like right now coin is not a bad team by any means. And I, and I still know a lot of the, I, they're putting out fast cars and they're calling great races and they've got a lot of great core people there. And I, I think that team deserves more respect, honestly. Yeah, no, they've had a strong 2022 for sure. And Malukas is coming on hot as of late. He was running in top five in Nashville, podium at uh, at Gateway. Um, but then that brings me to, to the next guy I want to ask you about. And he's a guy who finished first for the fifth time in 2022, Joseph Newgarden. I was having this conversation uh, to, over text with a few of my buddies who are race fans. And we were, we were talking about Joseph Newgarden and, and the career that he's had so far, right? Two championships. Could very well be on his way to a third. Um, winning races all the time. But the big elephant in the resume is the no, he hasn't drank the milk, right? <laughs> do do yeah. we, do we, do we look at him? Like, I, I, I kind of look at him right now. It's almost like John Elway of IndyCar, right? John Elway had an illustrious career, was an all timer, but, but it took him to the last two years of his career to win the Super Bowl finally. Like, how much do you think – I mean, I know it has to play a lot in Joseph's mind, but, like, are we going to get to the point to where, okay, let's say he's 34, 35. He's got four, maybe five IndyCar championships. But he still hasn't – he still hasn't gotten his face on the Borg Warner. What What, do you, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it, it's a really interesting um, – a really interesting thing to talk about in general. I, I, I was literally in a group chat this morning talking about how – this championship, if Scott Dixon doesn't speed in pit lane, 
Scott Dixon wins the Indy 500 and Scott Dixon is leading the championship by a country mile, right? Like Scott is in the hunt and he pretty much gave up the Indy 500. Like Scott was going to win the 500, like no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that, that is really interesting to think about. And then I had, I had someone else send, send a message, a listener to the show. Appreciate it by the way. But, and I did not know this was a thing, but, there hasn't been an Indy 500 winner to win the championship since 2010, which is like a, a wild, wow. like it's a wild thing to think about. Um, Cause Dario won in 2010, won the championship. And I, I don't think there's an argument. It's not like the people that won the Indy 500 were a bunch of flukes. You know I mean? They're all in the hunt. You know, it's like what Joseph has been, you know, Will Power won the 500. He probably, he's also finished second in the championship several times. You know what I mean? So, and, you know, when Ryan won the 500, you know, that was not the year when he won the championship. So a, a lot of the guys that do have Indy 500 wins also have championships, just not mm-hmm. in the same year. So yeah, it's very, it's a very interesting topic. And, and I don't necessarily have a great answer for it. It's like, I think the answer for it is, well, IndyCar is hard. And like, like the Indy 500 is super hard. Yeah, exactly. Like winning one race doesn't mean you have it all locked up. You know what I mean? So, and 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 again, we see this year, Marcus Erickson, Indy 500 winner, he's in the championship fight. You know what I mean? And so is Pato Award, who also had a strong Indy 500. So is Scott Dixon, who didn't have a strong Indy 500, but he's been wildly consistent the rest of the year. So, there's a lot of a lot of interesting things about this battle. Um, there's a lot of interesting, uh, you know, ways that it could still play out in two races. Um, because my gosh, you have one thing go wrong and, 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 and things are just completely out of place. But for some reason in IndyCar for these, you know, the top four or five in the championship, no matter what happens, they always seem to, even if they're, they're in first lap accidents or whatever it is they always seem to end up in the top five or top 10 again, somehow, you know what I mean? So the, the, the powerhouse teams, which are obviously all competing for the championship, you got Ganassi and Penske, uh, you know, those, those operations are always going to get their guys to the front, no matter what it takes. And, and that's, that's what you got to do to win a championship. Yeah. I uh, just, we were talking about it and obviously Justin Newgarden is, is, you know, really an all-timer. I mean, he, he's on the pace to be an all-timer. He, he just is absolutely great out there. But um, you know, it that, is that, interesting. That, that 500 yeah, like, still hangs over the head, right? It, it's yeah, still and, that kind of looming because I know there's some old heads, I'm sure, because I fired out a tweet that was like, hey, we're watching greatness here, man. I mean, five wins in one year, like this is what Joseph does. And I'm sure there's some old, old, older heads that are just like, yeah, he doesn't want a 500, though. And it's like, okay, that's fair. I mean, he still has plenty of time to do so. It's just that little caveat that's just hanging in there, you know? Yeah, and the interesting thing is, is he hasn't really even been in contention to win a 500. Right. Like, he hasn't even been, like, you know, getting passed on the last lap for the win, you know what I mean? And right. and I find that absolutely fascinating. But in general, it, it's not just a him thing as well. I think Penske, as a team, definitely struggled this year, in, in particular, at the 500. Um, and so it, it's not, it's not, it's not a Joseph thing in general. And you saw, you know, willpower barely make the race, you know, last, last year. Yeah, very recently. So it's, it's something that is not totally just on Joseph for sure. Um, oh, yeah, no doubt. but it, it is fascinating because, because at, at several races, um, you know, a, a lot of us, 
in the paddock are like, just hand Joseph the trophy already. Like we don't even need to race. Like Joseph's going to win. Like, and he's on a, you know, he's on a, he's in a different stratosphere at times, uh, you know, with that Penske crew. And what's interesting as well is like, I restarted right behind Joseph um, after, you know, before the rain was coming, uh, restarted right behind Joseph. And I was like, all right, you know, let's, uh, you know, Joseph's going to be on the hunt here, but it, Joseph's also, you know, he's a respectful racer. He's a good racer. You know, we went side by side into one. Uh, he made the right lane choice call. You know, he goes to the outside and that guy's gone. Like from then on, he passed like three guys right out the gate. And a lot of people don't necessarily, I would say people don't necessarily think of Joseph as like a super aggressive, you know, I'm going to crash that guy to win. Until we saw Nashville, you know what I mean? <laughs> like Joseph's out here firing <laughs> fenders at people. So I saw that then firsthand at Gateway too, because it looked like Joseph was going to go wheel banging Scott Dixon into turn one and two at Gateway, got yeah. by him, and he was, you know, and that, but that's part of what it takes to win. So I, I, I like what I see out of Joseph. I, I, I find it very hard to believe that he is going to lose this championship. Um, I, I, I see Will taking the fight to him. But there's something about what Joseph's got going on right now that it's like, how do you beat him? How do you beat him? No doubt. Absolutely. Um, Well, let's get to our conversation with the young Callum Eilat. Really fun one. Really enjoyed this guy. You you, you talked about it, and and I got the chance to hang out with you guys uh, before the 500, and he was a lot of fun that night, and I always enjoy his interviews, you know, whether it's he just getting out of the car with Kevin Lee or or what have you. He's always, uh, you know, a pretty entertaining personality. So uh, let's get to Callum Eilat. All right. We have uh, a very talented – foreign man uh racing driver in the uh ntt indycar series um a man that i did not know until uh he came over to this uh this side of the world uh but very very respected and talented human being all across the planet he's got more twitter followers and instagram followers than most indycar drivers because he was big f1 guy uh callum Ilot, thank you for being here uh first question right out the gate um, is Callum a top three British name of all time? No. It's not? No, it's Scottish, technically. Oh, my gosh. It sounds – I had a I had a British Callum teammate in GP3 for, like, two races, and I was like, that's got to be one of the most on-the-island type names. I, I mean, it's, it's iconic, maybe, to, to the UK. <laughs> there you go. So – your journey over to America. Let's give us a quick summary of what you've, how do you think of your, you know, what do you think of your IndyCar experience so far? Has it been enjoyable? Has it been something that you think, I I love talking to Europeans right out the gate about the the respect that this series deserves. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, to sum it up, yeah, it's probably the most competitive series I've done or seen. I think there are some areas of improvement to make it a bit more visible, but uh, <laughs> as a racing series, it's incredible. Um, sometimes a bit of a lottery, but from a driver's perspective, yeah, the, the competition is super high. From a personal experience, I've been kind of thrown in the deep end a bit, you know, one car team, rookie, all of that, but that's life. You've got to deal with it. Hopefully next year that changes and improves a little bit. Um, but yeah, overall, it's been a kick up the ass, but a good one. 
what would you do to change the viewership? How are we changing that? What's your ideas? <laughs> um, I, I I can't say too much probably without getting in a bit of trouble, but um, no, I That's think the point of this show. <laughs> All right, okay, well, I, yeah, okay, for sure on the media side, I think there's there's like the social media side, there's quite a bit to do. I think like uh, maybe a slight bit of modernization. Um, and then you've got to link that in with something that just just attracts people, you know. Like for me, what surprised I, I don't have the answer because I didn't do a, a, a degree in um, socials and all of that sort of stuff. But uh, considering we have like personalities, which should we say get more uh, more visibility than F1? F1 in a certain way is very closed. Like if you go into a paddock, it's very rare that you'll see a driver here. You can get a three year old kid walk up to any driver and uh, have a chat. Um, and the fact that that isn't uh showing on a on a viewership scale and stuff is a bit strange and so i think there's some ways to uh adapt that to make it um more accessible on a social side because if if people don't understand how how outgoing the personalities are i mean i've i've sat there in a press conferences and just been like how can you say that because in europe we'd get we'd get shot if we said that (laughs) <laughs> but out here it's like it's normal so i i don't know there's a combination of lots of things i think um should we say a drive to survive version you know obviously there's other streaming platforms available and stuff that would be good to get some visibility uh but yeah maybe it's just it's just in the marketing maybe maybe it's got to be slightly less americanized and a bit more europeanized but not to europe no 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 it, it sounds silly but you know with <laughs> all the commercials and everything you have it's so um everything's the same you know what what stands out anymore from a commercial side uh maybe that's why f1 got a bit of a boost in america because it's different there's no ads for example the ads are integrated into the show instead of taking over your whole screen and distracting viewers i don't know there's a there's a couple of things that maybe i would go yeah if you could look at something separately maybe but we don't control that (laughs) <laughs> oh, and then you have to pay for onboard cameras. That pisses me off a lot. Well, look, I, that's that's been an issue with everyone for years. I mean, like I, I remember when we were like when I was racing GP3 and GP2, you know, they'd rotate cameras around. You'd have, you know, each drive like different drivers got them every weekend, other than obviously the championship competitors towards the end of the year. I love that. And I think still to this day, all of us drivers agree that every car needs an onboard camera. Every single one. It's not oh, at a, least once. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Not, well, not yeah. just 12. If we can't have them all like in Formula One, like everyone deserves one at least for one weekend or like a rotate. There's a rotating camera for sure. Because like, look, the, the sponsors, they do float the boats. You know what I mean? Like they like, yes. But the coverage that cars get with an onboard camera is so much more than than the cars would not. So with, without. So hopefully that like I, I hope that that message is definitely received. Um but like, I mean, honestly, like we both, we, we could talk about how to, you know, how to do marketing and stuff like that for, for hours. Yeah. But I, I, I think what I want to talk to you about as well is like, I, I know a lot of those guys on that team, obviously, you know, Car- the Carlin and Yunkos integration. Uh, I, I know Ricardo, I won a championship for Ricardo, uh, very, very close to that family, uh, was almost maybe your teammate for the Indy 500, if my ride didn't actually end up materializing <laughs> for this year. So definitely got close to doing uh, a couple things with that team. But um, 
as a one car operation, it's very difficult. Like I was there with Carlin, understand how difficult it is. Um, but you've now been, you know, making it into the fast 12 several times, right? Which is, which is tough. Qualifying, I think, in the IndyCar series right now is without a doubt one of the most, one of the most difficult things on the planet for sure. And do you see the team on this very kind of linear, like linear slope that's kind of starting to go higher and higher and higher. And, 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 and when you get two cars like next year, obviously that's what everyone wants, right? That's what the team wants. That's what you guys want. I mean, I, I see you guys being extreme competitors, you know, in, in next year, like this is basically a building year, I would say. And then next year, here we go. Yeah, I, I think um, it's, it's, it's such a long process because I think like in a certain way you can, um, I, I would accumulate it to time, money and uh, development. But like you can start here, which I think you can tell is where we kind of started at the end of last year. And it's very quick to get on this up bit to catch up where you're like maybe uh, – one tenth off the average of the pack or whatever of course there's always the the couple that are super quick and for some reason you're you're gonna put them out a little bit as an anomaly in that sense um penske at all the short ovals yeah <laughs> yes yes yeah <laughs> um but that that last little bit is the the hardest one and getting that consistently and i think yeah i think we can do it i obviously the standard package itself when when everything's going right it's a it's a top 12 car like even even on the short ovals iowa and uh, and uh, gateway the speed wasn't bad in the races of course qualities we need to improve a little bit uh but i think like with the development that we'll have and the time obviously the second car helps but it's too late by that point because all the development's been done over the winter but I think like every, after every weekend we go, damn, if, we, if we'd have done that earlier, if we'd have known this, we could have approached it a bit differently. And I think that that is already signs that it's going to improve. And obviously knowing Ricardo and his motivation, number one, he's super motivated with a bit of English F1 European direction. I can help him to, to show him the path and the light. And uh, with Brad as well, Brad's super motivated as well to to kind of shape us into what is going to be hopefully a very good team. Um, and at the moment, I think we have the tools for it. There's great guys, uh, but it's it's a problem now that you know as we're trying to build with the second car, we, we have what's necessary for one car. But if you ask us now to put together two cars, it's like, well, where do we, where are the people? Where do we get the people from? Because everyone's like on the limit with with uh, with the people. So that's the only struggle I think with with time and that is going to be good, but. We need to get the people and you, you won't find out until like October, I think. Seemed like a little bit of a surprise. Um, you know, you hot, hot young rookie coming in and, and you're doing well. And then you, you re-up with Junkos and we're, you know, we're some of the big dogs after you. I mean, I feel like some people have expected to see Callum Eilat, you know, maybe Chip Ganassi, Penske, you know, one of those things. I mean, what was that process like for you? Were you just always in with Junkos or were there, were, were, was there some big dogs coming? Uh, I had some chats, uh, definitely had some chats, but, um, it was a complicated one because from the, from the beginning, I was always more kind of inclined with, with Hunkos to step it, step it up and, uh, to, to, um, work as a team on that side. And to be honest, I'd agreed to that and I'm kind of more of a man of my word and it's, it's, 
in a certain way, it's a, a, a favorable situation to me in, um, in a few ways, but also in the way that I can develop without pressure. And it's kind of a team that I can create myself. So they need I'd a guy r- to rally around too. Like when, when a team has a guy to rally around, that's big. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's that, there's, uh, the, yeah, for the guys, I think that was, that was good. They, they obviously enjoy working, um, consistently with a guy. Uh, but, but I think it's, it's a hard one because there's, there's two parts of this where you're like, uh, what, what if, if I was in another position, maybe I could be, you know, winning the championship or whatever. And, that's that's a hard one from a guy who wants to win and all of that sort of stuff but in the long run i think if i can achieve what i want to with this team you know even if i want to take a job as a team principal that kind of mentality of like developing something and um helping something from the the ground up would be would be even better i don't know it's it's one of those two but i'm kind of content either way but yes in some ways it's frustrating when it's not going well and you go ah oh, you know it would have been easy if i gone in there but then for example if i'd gone in a good team and we'll say team a and uh, i win it would have been because ah callum jumped to there and got to show you know his true potential in that environment if i win where i am it's because we developed it and we worked hard and we we got it all done and that's that's a reward for me and yes it's it's favorable in some ways to stay where i am so i'm i'm it's a tough one, but it, you know it's it's good to work with the guys you've got. And at the end of the day, I'm here for a long career, not a short good one like some of us. <laughs> I think teams definitely do take notice of that. You're right, certainly in IndyCar. Like, I think when you start out with a smaller team, when you start like teams know kind of what where everyone's at. You know what I mean? We kind of know you know what what people are dealing with budget wise, what they've got resource wise, and it's like you know when everyone when you do well in that car, it's obviously very well respected because it's, it's the one car team, right? It's the same with like David Malukas right now, who's getting a lot of talk about like, I mean, he's on the podium with coin and like, I, that, that, I, I was on the podium with coin my rookie year too. And it was like, Oh wow. Like that's like, we kind of understand how, how tough that might be. But obviously coin right now, I think is, is they're, they're a very strong team in a lot of different places, but the Ganassi's, the Penske's, the Andretti's like, they all pay attention to that, right? Because th- yeah. th- there is always going to be a rotating, you know, a rotating door of of people going in and out of teams. And, you know, we see who knows what's going to happen with the 10 car. You know, when is Will Power going to retire at Penske? Does Penske want to run four cars eventually again? You know what I mean? Does Andretti want to run 10 cars? I don't know. Is McLaren going to run 45 cars? We don't, we don't know that. But th- they will always, I would say, look to the series first to let's say like young talent in a smaller team then let's say maybe take a gamble on someone that they don't know yeah no for sure but that was that was a goal to get into indycar and to to show what i can do and you know if it if it takes one year great if it takes three years you know that's life so um yeah i'm I'm just i'm just in it for the journey well last time i was with you first time we ever met actually was uh you know leading up to the 500 we're all kind of hanging by scotty max bus and you were wearing an indianapolis colts hat yes i put you on the spot (laughs) yes in front of a lot of different people and i was like i was just genuinely curious hey all right you're coming over i know a lot of people like scotty mac jack harvey they become big football fans when they get here american football fans i was like you like the colts and you were like sure 
have we <laughs> have we leaned more into American football at all? What's the progress like on that on your end? The season hasn't started, has it? We're getting there. We're in the preseason. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I, that's that's more knowledge than I had before. Okay. What, okay. What are your what like? Let's say talking moving to America. What are your top three things that you've enjoyed about being in this uh, region of the world? And then top three things that you wish you could adjust and maybe you don't oh, like, um, <laughs> or just one or two things. Either way, let's let's do some positives on your mind and internet maybe some speeds. Internet speeds. Yeah, I lived I lived in the countryside. I had one megabit per second before this in Italy oh. and in the UK. Um, I love that. Uh, then the accessibility to food doesn't mean if it's good or bad, just the accessibility to it. Yep. Um, ooh, ooh, and then and then the big cars, <laughs> Tahoes, we're, now, we're yeah, Chevy. Yeah. Now I like now I like the trucks and stuff. I I didn't like them before, but I like them. Um, sounds stupid, but yeah, no, I mean it's it's kind of like what I had in Europe before, just everything's exaggerated and slightly slightly different. But the, the bad things, your roads are shocking. <laughs> uh, the food over here could be better. Okay, but where are we eating here? I mean, yeah. are you going? I mean, are you going Long John Silver's every day, or what? I mean, what, what are well, we doing? I, I, I'm clearly not fine dining where you are, so okay. I, I, I need to find some more places. And then, um, oh, there's there's a few I could choose from. Uh, have you had In-N-Out Burger yet? Yes. Do you like it? Occasionally. Oh, okay. All right. That was a big question. All right. Yeah. No, In-N-Out, Shake Shack. Oh, there's a Shake Shack like two minutes that way. Oh, um, there you go. What else we got? I'm, I'm next to all these places. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm bang in the middle of, of food hall. When you say accessibility, does that mean like you're talking DoorDash? Are you talking those kind of things? Or just we have well, food everywhere? That and the fact that it's everywhere. Like, for example, in the UK, I would probably have to drive 15 minutes to any fast food place, like the first one that I'd arrive to. And here I can drive two minutes or I could <laughs> get on the road and there would be another one and another one. And whether it's one kind or another kind, whereas in the UK, like there's, there's 10 restaurants in my local town at a push and that's about it and then you have to go half an hour wide to, to see anything else so that's what that's i mean that's why we're a bunch of fat asses you just explain yeah. the obesity <laughs> problem in america right there there Good you job. go yeah unfortunately yeah um <laughs> and then you get free refills here as well oh free that's, refills. that's a brilliant thing and a horrible thing at the same time because i feel so ill after going to a restaurant and ordering like a coke for example and you get three of them by the end of the meal yeah quick 680 calories there guy <laughs> boom done elite athletes um, Exactly, callum so what getting back to a bit of motorsport as well the the path to formula one obviously like I didn't really know, like, I mean, I knew your name, but I didn't, I, like, when I left the whole F3 and F2 scene. You left it. You, you left you it leave behind. It. It's like, yeah. see you guys later. But, you I mean, you kind of pay attention, and obviously you had some success there, and you were part of the Ferrari program. Um, I don't know whether to word this, like, was it, was it a disappointment for you to have to go this way? Because, like, a lot of Europeans, I would say, since they don't necessarily respect IndyCar as much as I think 
they should sometimes they kind of see it like, oh, well, we had to go into car racing or I mean, everyone wants to be a Formula One. Like I, I try to do it as well. Like we, we all we all love that idea. It's great. But realistically, we also want to make money driving race cars. You know what I mean? And like we yeah. want to we want to make a living doing that. So like obviously you were very, very close. And I think people probably don't realize how close you were to being in a Formula One race seat, whether that was with whatever Ferrari power team, you know, there might've been, but what was that experience like kind of shifting a mindset or kind of accepting, all right, you know what, I'm going to go try to be the best I can be over here. Uh, yeah, there's two, there's two things to this. So there's one is like the F1. So there's like a heartbreak of, you know, not that not happening, um, which was, which was tough to accept, but obviously I had it kind of two years. First was, 2020 into 21 and then 21 into 22 um but at that uh no wait 20 yeah um <laughs> but at that stage um once once that was done it's like okay well what what are my options what, what do i see and so there was the hypercar stuff where that would have to, i'd have to wait an extra year and it wasn't sure if you'd still get the seat or not uh there's formula e but that wasn't really my cup of tea as i say um otherwise you were you were left with with indycar and i was looking at it and what was great was obviously roman had gone here uh felix had gone previous years before marcus as well and you kind of had a benchmark for like oh what do these guys say about it because otherwise this is another thing like from europe you you could read motorsport.com or the race or whatever to to give you the the information of the results but you wouldn't really get an idea of someone's personal thing unless you you looked in depth and uh seeing roman and the enthusiasm um we have the same manager by the way so i i got a lot of understanding and feedback from him and hearing him go like you know what in one year i've enjoyed more than five years of f1 um and okay that's coming from someone who's done f1 and done it for many many years uh but the attitude changed and i was like okay so there's there's something that maybe i can enjoy there because it's an unknown coming from the uk like or europe you look at it and you go you got the indy 500 which i would say like two years ago i thought you're all fucking idiots to do this <laughs> um but you know you you go and do it and you're like okay it's not too bad like it's a different style of racing yes if you crash it's gonna hurt but you know like that we hope that That's doesn't fun. happen but it's fun yeah. and there's three hundred fifty thousand people and all this other stuff but um then looking at it, I think, yeah, if I was born an American, my appreciation for it would be uh, a lot, lot higher. And I would rank it as, you know, close to F1 in its own way if I take out the media side and the glorification of it. Um, but I think for me, it was like, okay, well, I want a good career. I know the potential of how good a career can be out here and how nice of a life you can have. And like for me, that's that's kind of just starting, and I, I'm like, okay, I appreciate that. Yes, my journey is slightly different to some. It, it's also good in its own way. And to be fair, like even for me, I've you you know specifically, I've had it better than others uh, because of the way <laughs> I've come in, but differently and harder and than than some as well. Um, but yeah, as a, as a series, yeah, it's 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 incredible. But like I said, it's got there's a lot of pros like. I, having 23, 22, 24 drivers that can win in a, in a race weekend, even if sometimes they're a bit slower than others, it's like, that's that's a tough, tough championship. And I appreciate that a lot. I appreciate the guys. And my 
um, enjoyment for the series in its own way has increased and increased and increased as I've, as I've got into it and settled into it. What's your favorite track over here? Uh, I'm still more in the, the road courses. So like I would say, Barber, um, Road America was great. Uh, and there was one other that I, I, I did enjoy. Iowa. Yeah, Iowa yeah. Was, was... Oh, really? Yeah, I... I, I well, here's the thing. After the test day, I hated it. I was like, <laughs> what's the point of this? And then I came to the races. and Yeah, because that was my setup, too. I was like, what are you talking about? You hate it, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I tried to go away from that. And then we ended up coming back to it. And then for the race, it was brilliant. Um, there you go. <laughs> for quality, it was a disaster. I don't know how you got pole with that, but it was well, a disaster for quality. just crank some front wing in that sucker, bro, and let her eat. <laughs> Yeah, no, Iowa was great. I, I did really enjoy those races there. Uh, but yeah, the road courses are still still my favorite. Oval racing in general, though, for you, what do you think of it? I mean, obviously, there, there's a really interesting like mindset. Like, I, I, I literally just talked to Daniel Ricardo like two weeks ago. We, we talked about it on our, our last show, and he's like, man, you guys are crazy, right? There's a lot of this, like, you guys are crazy type thing. But like, I think the ovals, the ovals are quite enjoyable if, you know, if you have just a little bit on someone else or a little bit on other cars there. It's so much, I would say not necessarily easier, but you feel like you're, you're able to race your way forward more so than on a road course. Sometimes you're just stuck. Like yeah. it doesn't matter if you have the best car or the worst car. I mean, you're just kind of sitting there at, 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 in some, in some ways. Yeah, no, no. I say like Iowa, 100%. I was like completely comfortable with the, the pace difference, the overtaking and, um, you know, even going almost three wide with people, like yeah. the 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 risk, there wasn't any risk in my head. It's just like, okay, let's send it and see. You know, you're bumping, bouncing around, bumping around. Uh, Gateway was was similar in a certain way, but just harder to overtake. So you, you would kind of try and do it in one and two. Otherwise, you were just careful. And I've learned now how to understand what's where I've got to be careful and where not, because before you didn't really understand how uh, everyone was lifting and getting the rhythm and all of that, the stupid Europeans not understanding the oval racing. <laughs> uh, but the the Speedway stuff still, I, like I have to get my head around it because for me, it was like a game of chicken. You know, you go into the corner, like take Indy, for example, you would toe up, they'd cover the inside and then you'd be forced half a car in front on the outside and it's just whoever lifts later. And, you know, you kind of want to put the pressure, but you know, if you, close off and they don't back off you're you're both in the wall and you're probably going to be the one worse off uh you know if you don't give them enough space and they have a little wiggle you're in the wall it's it's you've got to have full trust of the guy on the inside of you and you've got to have full uh concentration on where you're going without looking in your mirrors and you know trusting the spotter and everything and that one for me is quite a bit of a mentality change because i you know when you go for a move on a road course you send it down the outside you hope the fucker doesn't hit you and you get on with life there you're like you're praying to god that when you're side by side that nothing's nothing's going wrong and i'm sure when you get to uh your experience on that you you can just put the car there and know that uh if if uh if the guy's good nothing's gonna happen but for me, not knowing who I'm around and who does what, I was like, man, I don't, I wouldn't trust myself in that position. So why would I trust this fucker? <laughs> so, in your situation, when it comes to to Indy and, and the 500, are you, like it seems like 
it's almost, I mean, it, it, it seems like almost like not enjoyable in a way because you, you just haven't had the experience there yet. You're, you're kind of on pins and needles a little bit, whereas someone like, you know, Connor and, and a lot of other guys in the series have had a, a bunch of experience there. Is, is that kind of how it feels for you? Are you still psyched about the 500 because of everything around it? Or are you just kind of like, man, this is rough? I mean, the, the show, the show is amazing. Like nothing compares to that. Uh, the racing itself, it's more that it's just a different, it's its a completely different style. Imagine like every time you want to come forward or even every time you're getting overtaken, you're like, oh, fuck, if this goes wrong, this goes wrong. But without without necessarily saying that, you're just like a subconscious thought. Yeah, you've got to be aware. And yeah, um, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I hit the wall and broke my hand. And that was a consequence of, of having a little mistake, there, a little wiggle and you're you're gone. Um, so it's not to say it's like, cause it's still a thrill. That's still a thrill, you know, knowing that you're going to be on the edge of, of shunting. It's just, it, I didn't enjoy that kind of racing at Indy as much because I think like we were having this discussion on the emails between the drivers after, uh, last weekend, but maybe it's that we're not running enough downforce and the, the slipstream effect is not big enough, but really like when I, when I watched like the 2016 days, maybe with the era kit, everyone was oh, yeah. so close. You could get such a draft and probably be ahead by the corner. And that kind of racing, uh, I would say was slightly easier, but also a lot more difficult in its own way. But this right now, it's like, I, I don't know if Connor's the same, but to do an overtake, if you're third in line to do an overtake, it's not happening. <laughs> you're, you're you're side by side and you've got to hope that that guy lifts out yeah it's tough for sure right now like a, a lot of the drivers we've been talking about okay how do we like gateway for example the the most recent discussion we've been like all right you know how do we make the racing better here most of the drivers if not all were like we need more downforce and i think it's the same at indy we still need more downforce the ability to close up better the ability to, to tow the car in front of you better uh, just, just we, we need to make the racing better. And there was a lot of us for a long time who were like, oh, we need less downforce because either we're going to race too close or it's going to be, you know, too dangerous or whatever it is. It's like, I'm sorry, but no, like the cars are really safe now. And like, Cal, you mentioned crashing though as well, Callum. I crashed my rookie year at Indy as well, but it's, it's kind of, it's part of the game, right? Like I think once you, everyone crashes at Indy at some point. You know well, there's I mean? two like, types of drivers. The exactly. ones that have crashed at Indy and the ones that are going to crash at Indy. Exactly. <laughs> and like, I, I'll never forget because Rossi for so many years drove around there, never crashed. And then a one year he, he finally did. And like, I, he's been really good there ever since again. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, look, you, you ever, it'll happen to everyone. It, it you know, it happened to Grosjean. It, it's going to happen to people. Um, but it also, I think, then puts it into perspective. Okay, it takes a little bit of the question mark of like, what does that feel like out of your mind? You know what I mean? It's like, all right, well, you know, I did it. You might, you might have broken some things, which is a shame, <laughs> and and it you know might have prevented you from being at the after party. No big deal. But uh, you know, we we learn these things as drivers, and we get to a kind of that that level. Like, all right, I get it now. And like, I guarantee, you, when you go back there next year, you're gonna feel a different level of comfort and I'm sure the team will kind of understand. All right, look, now this is where we want to be instead of where we were last year. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, and there's, there's like a, when you have a bad day on an oval, like I, I had this on the Friday of uh, gateway. It's so <laughs> super uncomfortable. You kind of go out and you do one lap, two laps and you're like, that doesn't feel right. And you come back in and 
with every time that you do that, and I think I came in 10, 10 times in a session where it's just like, no, it doesn't feel right. I'm not, I'm not happy. And everyone gets you a little bit more where you're like, fuck's sake, I just want to feel a little bit of comfort and a little bit of stability from like the rear and predictability. So you can have those kind of days as well. And that is a big wind up for me because it just never, it, it sometimes it just doesn't get better. Yeah. I mean, what people don't realize right now, I think with these, with these, these indie cars, we're way more on edge than I think you can see. And, and to get the balance that you want out of it, you have to sacrifice certain things, whether that's entry stability because you need it to turn at the center. Well, yeah. guess what? That sucks on an oval because you want to be able to turn that thing really aggressively on entry. But if the rear is now floating because you're trying to get it to turn at the center, it, it, there's, there's so many things that in this current generation with, you know, that, that we've kind of moved to with the, you know, with the added weight, with the aeroscreen screen and stuff like that. It, 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 it really puts a lot on the engineers to try to think, all right, how do we create one balance issue that we have to deal with, right? Instead of, oh, it's entry loose and then center understeer and then it's exit loose as well. You know, you're trying to create one balance so you can work on that, but it's challenging. And I promise you right now for drivers all across the board, it is, it's, it's, you want you want it's this compromise. tiny window of It's happiness. always compromised. Yeah that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the problem. If you if you haven't got some area where it's good, you're you're stuffed. And when you start the weekend, and if it's not good, yeah. Always trust your butt cheeks. Always trust your butt cheeks. <laughs> I, I'm learning that. Yeah. I'm learning that. <laughs> always. Callum, I got one more for you. Uh, have you seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? Uh, no. Unfortunately, what? No. I should I should have. I, I was thinking that. I was like, eh. It's, it's a very, very popular American film um, yes. starring two I am blown away. great comedians, Jim Carrey, um, Jeff Daniels. It's a classic. Uh, but in that movie, there's a scene where Jim Carrey, he says, I like it a lot. And he says, I like it a lot. Now, with, with, with your name, all right, I feel like there's some marketing opportunity there. Maybe a t-shirt, maybe a Are hashtag. Are you calling me dumb? I, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying instead of I like it a lot, like oh, he shit. says, yeah, sorry, I no, like I'm a it dumb. a lot. Okay, I like Boom. it. Hashtag lot. I like it a lot or shirt. I'd rock. Hey man, I'm just saying. Who, who does your your uh, merchandise, Mister Mister Daly? Oh well, we have uh, in in Indianapolis. Well, we have this Dirty Mo Media merch, but we also have. Uh, who does my merch? I don't know. Oh, wait, the shop, the shop in Indy. Yeah, they're good. Shop Indy's good. Obvious yep. shirts does mine. I could yep. see him putting out one that says, I like it. I lot. Is that, is that it. worth a conversation? Is that, is that, think on Dude, it? Dude, it's all about dominating the merch game. You can make a solid several hundred dollars <laughs> doing merch <laughs> in the car. Uh, it's definitely not. Someone told me a story, uh, recently, and this will frustrate you like crazy. But someone told me a story just not two days ago that Jeff Gordon, his check for merch only in the peak of his NASCAR career, $50 million. It's just for merch. And so yeah. we're, we're doing it wrong. I can promise you that. I know the figures of a certain F1 driver. And oh. This is incredible. incredible. Which one? Does he drive for Red Bull? <laughs> It, it, it's incredible incredible yeah. but yeah like like yeah okay that that doesn't surprise me what what year, what year would that have been with jeff gordon 
Oh, I don't know. It's got to be late 90s, mid 90s. Yeah, something like that. But that's a lot of money. Actually, no, maybe even early, maybe even like mid 2000s. I'll have to get I'll have to get I, some. You uh, take it with today's that. economics. That's probably like 120 mil. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Modern economics. Wow. <laughs> Callum, I appreciate you doing this. Um, I think Same, uh, you're a, a very humorous individual. And honestly, oh, thank you. If you don't follow Callum on the Twitters and the Instagrams, you should because he's got he's dropping some fire tweets recently, and I and I really respect it. And Keep your personality flying at these people because uh, we need that. We need honest tweets. We need honest Instagrams. We need honesty. That's what this podcast is for. That's why most of everyone at IndyCar hates me. But I will keep I will keep doing this because we're trying to generate some heat for the series. I think they're starting to hate me as well. <laughs> but maybe it's a common thing. I don't, I don't know. Well, no one hates winners, so we just got to get that. We got to get we got to get wins. That's great. I'll give me give me four years. I'll be there. Thanks, Callum. See you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Well, awesome interview there with Callum. Uh, I like that guy a lot. He's um, he's come out for dinners with me and my friends, uh, my boys Stephen and Deepu. We we definitely have have entertained Callum uh, on a couple different nights out in Indianapolis, trying to show him the city. Um, and uh, and I respect what that guy's doing. I, I really like that team that he's with. Ricardo Yunkos, uh, a lot of the Carlin guys that that I was with um, over the last couple of years. Uh, just a great group of people. And as he mentioned, you know, Ricardo has a ton of passion for this sport and being competitive in this sport. Um, and I can see them being a strong two car team in the future for sure. Uh, you know, if if not more in the in the, in the coming years. So uh, really really cool there. I I think. One thing that I want to get to as well before, um, you know, before we wrap everything up, but uh, the NASCAR race at Watkins Glen, I think was, uh, was very interesting. We had yes. rain, we had lightning delay, but we had, uh, you know, really, really interesting. Some of my favorite races to watch are the races that start wet and they progressively start drying out and who's going to have the biggest nuts to go to the, you know, slick tires first. Um, and that's, you know, that was fascinating. We had chase Briscoe go slicks early, uh, you know, paid off for him really well. Um, you had Almendinger getting wrecked early, but then, you know, it's going all the way to the back and then ends up finishing second. I mean, it's just, I, I thought it was, it was really cool to see. Obviously the biggest story of the weekend was Kimi Räikkönen. Uh, you know, Kimmy was, I think Kimmy was doing a great job. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There was. Yeah. Twitter it, it, seemed it, to agree. Oh yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Twitter seemed to agree. And that, that team track house. I mean, oh my gosh, great, great group of people there clearly giving him a shot to run competitively, run a car. That's not going to break down great pit stops out of them as well. Uh, it's always tough sometimes to add, you know, to add a car, right? Like adding a car, especially with a new team like track house, who've been running two full time. You know, to add a third, it definitely, you know, it, it definitely sometimes pulls the strings a little bit. And you're like, ah, might, might, uh, might be tough, but yeah, they clearly did it right. Um, and I was cheering for Kimmy. I'm not going to lie. When he was in the top 10, I was having a great time watching and thinking, you know what, this, this could be a great day. Um, but sadly, as sometimes happens in NASCAR, got, got, got collected in someone else's mess. Yep. Name of the game, baby. What <laughs> name um, of the game? 
What was uh, fill me in? Because I, I had uh, I had to do husband dad duties on Sunday, and so I was you know out at TJ Maxx hunting for fall decor and being a good husband. <laughs> Uh, so I was not able to watch a lot of the race, which I enjoyed. My wife's in the kitchen. I did enjoy that. I love going to TJ Maxx. Uh, I love TJ Maxx. Yeah. Oh, it's great. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Kyle Larson and, uh, Chase Elliott. I saw some, some post-race Twitter stuff about Chase Elliott, old Clyde, not being too happy about some things. What went down there? Yeah. I tell you what, the, 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 the Chase Elliott post-race interview was really interesting. I, you could tell. He was not happy. And <laughs> what I think happened there is on those double file restarts, right? It, it's everyone is just going to fire that sucker into turn one. And, and Watkins sure. Glen, Watkins Glen is a tough turn one. It's down. It's a dead downhill breaking zone. You're getting into a corner with a little bit of banking. The new surface definitely has a lot of grip and those, those cup cars, they can use obviously all the road on exit. Um, and so the, the overhead shot I, I loved because the overhead camera shot, you literally see the first like three, four, maybe four rows of cars all have their right fronts <laughs> locked up. Like literally every single tire is locked up. And what's funny about that is, is it means that basically everyone is going to miss the corner essentially. And, and that's what happened, but Kyle had to make the move that he did and, he didn't necessarily wreck chase, but all you have to do is, is stop that momentum. You know, if he's on the inside and you just, you take away his line and he loses that momentum. Well, Kyle's got that momentum all the way up the hill, all the way up the hill. And then as soon as Almaninger got by as well, I mean, race over, right? Kyle, Kyle Larson and uh, Chase Elliott were the class of the field for sure. That day, uh, AJ was, was fast. He, he, he definitely gave it his, his, his best shot. But those two cars were obviously the class of the field, and it was just a fascinating, a fascinating situation to see play out because Chase, obviously, very competitive guy, right? And Kyle, th th both of those guys, I, I would say, are two of the most talented guys in NASCAR right now, for sure. Um, but yeah, one was not happy with the other, and I could tell, you know, when you get forced out of the way as a driver who has been forced into not great situations before myself you are very, very upset. And if it's for a win as well, that is, uh, that is even more upset, but, but that's why we love to watch NASCAR post-race interviews. And that's why we love to watch NASCAR races because they can oh, yeah. use them fenders and start moving people out of the way. Yeah. And you know, a little consolation prize for nine. He's a regular season champ in 2022. Um, so that did happen like that up, uh, even without, not taking home the victory at Watkins Glen. So uh, not overall a terrible day for nine, even though I'm sure he would have loved to have taken the checkered flag as well. Um, all right, man, you want to uh, wrap up here with the uh, Ricky Treadway random Indy 500 driver of the week? I know producer Ben's got to go get his mind molded at uh, school because he's still a child. So, <laughs> Yes, we do have a random Indy 500 driver of the week. We went with the 1954 Indy 500. We went a little bit, you know, last, last week we got a little old. Now we're going back to you know, pay some people who might still be alive. Uh, Bill Vukovic, the winner of this race. Um, but uh, we are going to go with a uh, random Indy 500 driver, finisher in the 27th position, Jimmy Daywalt. Jimmy Daywalt is uh, born in Wabash, Indiana, uh, an Indiana man. And again, if I don't know these names, just know that I am trying to learn myself. And some people... My, the point of the segment. Exactly. That's the point of the segment. Some, If you think it's crazy that I don't know, 
Well, guess what? There are probably other people who don't know as well. So Jimmy Daywalt uh, drove in the AAA USAC Championship Car Series, uh, racing in 1950, 1953 to 1957, 59, um, all kinds of years. Finished in the top 10 three times. His best finish was in the 1953 Indianapolis 500, where he finished sixth and named Rookie of the Year. That's solid. Solid. Poor that guy solid. died of cancer. Poor guy died of cancer at 41. So, yeah, you you you, you screwed the pooch there. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, hey, maybe they're still alive. Died at 41. It's all good. Yep. He was born. <laughs> hey, this is very topical, though. Uh, he was born August 28th. That's my birthday. So, hey, that's coming up this weekend. It's a birthday show. And Jimmy Daywalt, random 8500 driver, shared the same birthday. Rest in peace to that guy. R.I.P. Jimmy. Yeah. So now we've now we know we've uh, we've made some progress and we we learned a little bit more about any 500 history today. Uh, we did, as we do every week here on Speed Street. Hey, just a quick reminder of a few things, folks. Uh, we are on social media at Speed Street Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to follow us there. Uh, be sure to give us a rating. Give us a review of this show. We love to bump those numbers up. Keep growing the neighborhood. Be sure to follow us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also. Uh, the day after this goes live on the audio version on the Dirty Mo Media YouTube channel, you can watch us, you can watch Young Callum Eilat, our guests interact. The video version is up there on Dirty Mo Media's YouTube channel as well. So be sure to check that out. Um, anything else, Connor, before we get out? I don't think so. We got another weekend off this weekend. Um, and then we're going, you know, we're going back out west. So uh, be sure to keep up with how you can watch IndyCar racing for the, for the last two races of the season. We want to close out the season strong. Um, and there's, I'm sure, going to be some interesting things that happen in the news before the season's over. I'm sure there's going to be interesting things happening all across the board. So I'm excited for the championship fight. I'm excited to have two strong races ourselves, hopefully. Uh, and, yeah, we'll see what happens. Definitely. It's always wild going out to Portland. Two races left, um, and we will get you set for it next week on Speed Street. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo. Dirty Mo.